0: Oscar Poker Chat room. <laughs> yeah, we're we're, cha-
1: we're chatting text, and, and I just said add, I just saw add to call. So I, oh, fine. Okay. Go, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Hi, guys. Okay. Hey. Good morning. Good morning.
2: So let's start. Can we begin? Since we do not have our box office guy with us again, who's taking a vacation this weekend. So I hope he's enjoying it. Okay. Uh, I, can, I can
1: cover that if you need it. I can
2: yeah. Just... Yeah. Why don't you give us a rundown? what okay. You uh, understand happened and.
0: We're with Ed Douglas from ComingSoon.net. He's...
2: Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, it's it's, it's the great Ed Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he's in Wait, New York. You guys, are you guys recording already? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: we're recording. We're we're kind of, um, we're sort of loose form.
2: Yeah, we're informal here. We're oh, informal. God, okay. My
0: <laughs> we sort of just take it as it comes, play it as it lays. But um, yeah, um, Ed's in New York. He, he writes for Coming Soon and he's the Oscar warrior. You're still the Oscar warrior, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I do it about four months a year, so not yeah. nothing, not year-round. But, so I'm going to go through uh, Box Office? Yeah, sure. let's do it. Oh, cool. Like I, I don't really know Phil's normal format, but it's uh, it actually was a pretty good week. It was up like 30% from last last year, which is good. Um, the Expendables topped it, uh, Expendables 2, with uh, $28.7 million, which is less than the, the original movie two years ago. But it's still a de- decent opening, I think. I think they're happy with that. What did uh, the original do? I think it opened with like 34 million, between 34 and 35. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of like, I don't think, I think a lot of people who saw the original movie were unhappy with it, so they might have been a little more hesitant of going to see this one, although I thought it was better than the original movie. And I don't think a lot of people kind of feel it was better than the first movie. In what way? Do you think it's, I've heard people say it's so stupid, I loved it. Well, it is, I mean, I think both movies are stupid, but I think this one, the thing about the last movie, the first movie, is that they really kind of pushed Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. And they had like they literally appeared for one scene. In this movie, they appear briefly, but then they really have some good scenes together. So, so you really really get what was what was advertised for the first movie. And then they add like Chuck, Chuck Norris, who kind of has a couple a smaller role, and uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. So they kind of added a few more people to it. And uh, actually, they have a woman in this one, they have a woman expendable in this one, who literally is not in any of the commercials whatsoever, and she's, like, the, one of the best parts of the movie, which is, which is hilarious to me, but <laughs> it is, it's, it's funny, there's this Asian woman who kind of joins the crew, and she's just as active as anyone else, mm-hmm. and she's not been in any commercials, like, I don't think she did any press whatsoever, and she's great, so I don't know, it's kind of, kind of a shame that they... Didn't you know? Kind of push so it out a little more.
2: She's, she's good at kickboxing, martial arts stuff. Yeah,
1: martial arts and shooting guns too. She shoots guns, and she kind of mm-hmm. gets she gets some. She has some, like she has as many good scenes and moments as all the other guys, I'd say. Yeah, okay. But uh, so that was number one. Number two, Born Legacy. It had a pretty big drop, fifty-five percent, and made wow. seventeen million this weekend. Um, it's at sixty-nine point six million so far, which you know it'll probably it could probably get to hundred million or a little more. But I'm I'm thinking that it like. It's not really caught on as as well as the previous movies.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, Paranorman was number three with fourteen million, um, which is decent, not great. I mean, it's yeah. it's that's Focus Features' widest released ever. They've never had a movie in that many theaters before. Wow. Uh, okay. um, which is which is thirty it's three thousand four and theaters. That's like you know most most you know I mean all all, all the other Summit Lionsgate they've always had movies in those, in those kind of theaters. So for some reason, Focus has always kind of done the the, the platform rollouts. And they never really got into a big, that many theaters. Um, so 14 million, it's good. I'm, I'm sure they would have liked to done, you know, like 16, 17. But it's August. It's like trying to get a family movie to do well in August is just crazy. So,
0: why? Because um, everybody's out of town, or?
1: Well, yeah. I think because like, I mean, at least this late in August, like some kids are actually going back to school. Actually yeah. heard that like, like I think Burbank or some of these other places actually have school started already. And then they go on vacation, family vacations on the second half of August. It's it's really just not like. They just aren't... Kids aren't around and families aren't around to go see things together. So it's kind of like... You know, it did, it did okay for that, considering that amount. You know, considering that. But, you know, with that many theaters, you'd want to be able to make more money, I think. Um,
3: mm.
1: Yeah, so n- number four is the campaign. Also had a... Not a, not as big a drop as Born Legacy, but about 50%. So that made 13.4 million. Uh, Sparkle opened with 12 million, which, again, that had, that had the least... That opened in, like, only 2,200 theaters. So... It's pretty decent, pretty decent, and it only costs like 14 million. So it's actually 12 million opening weekend is not is not bad. I think they were trying to maybe get more of the Whitney Houston aspect of it because it's you know her last movie, but mm-hmm. maybe you know I I, heard, I actually read that it had a CinemaScore A, an A cinema score, which is really good. So. Maybe word of mouth will help it over the next couple of weeks.
2: Don't you think that cinema scores audiences are? Uh, they tend they tend to be uh, very polite. Uh, first of all, they went to the film to the begin with, so that indicates you know obviously they kind of liked it enough to see it. So therefore, the fact that they're giving a grade about something they've already chosen to see it doesn't it sort of leaves out that you're going to get many C's, D's, and yeah. F grades, right?
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not. I mean, it doesn't. It's not critics. They're not critics, and so. If they're going to see a movie they want to see, that. but, but you, you've seen like, I mean, A A cinema score is still fairly rare. I mean, it's not like, you know, A plus is almost very rarely, but A is still, you don't get a lot of them. You usually get like an A minus or B mm. or B pluses. So an A score basically says that like the people who went to see it liked it and they'll go to work on Monday and they'll say, oh, I like this movie. You know, go see it. Maybe it'll it'll help with legs down the road. Um, so that was good. And then then Dark Knight's number six with 11.1 million. Um, it cost 400 million this weekend, which makes it like I think it's like the 15th movie or so to make that amount in the states mm. Mm. this year. Sixth, no, no, 15th amount ever. Oh, so
0: ever. Like,
1: oh, wow. So many 15 movies to make that much, but it's, it's behind The Dark Knight as far as like you know one to one. Right. So stuff slowing down. Um, it passed The Hunger Games this weekend, so it's actually at the second biggest movie of the year. Um, what's next? Uh, Odd Life, of Timothy Green was 10.9 uh, million. Not sure what to say about that. I've seen it. Like I never saw it. I don't know nothing about the movie besides commercials. Um, Hope Springs was number eight, and actually that one that one's notable because that's uh, made nine point one million, and it was down only thirty eight percent. That's like the lowest. It actually had the, the lowest drop of any movie from last week, and it's definitely signifying it's going to have legs. I think it's going to have a lot of good word of mouth, and you know, keep doing well because there's just nothing else like it out there. So. Mm. Where do you foresee it?
2: Uh, how high do you think it can get to ultimately by the end of its run?
1: What's it, It's at thirty-five million now, and that's only after only twelve days. I'm going to say, I'd say seventy-five to eighty million. Even I think it. I think it could. You know, I think it's going to be. You know, it'll, it'll keep having very small drops each weekend, and then it gets to September and this in October. I think. I think I'd say 75, 80 million would be you know really really good, and that's it's that's a pretty inexpensive movie too, serving mm. the stars. So. I think that'll be mm-hmm. for the, yeah. Um, and then the rest of the, I don't know if you care about nine. Nine is Wimpy Kid with 3.8 million. Ten right. is, is Total Recall with 3.5 million.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, both both pretty over 50% drops from, you know, from previous weeks. And that's generally what's happening now. You're seeing that, like, you know, a lot of these movies are not not having legs. They're kind of like, as people go away for a vacation, they kind of just are not really going to the movies as much. And, uh, you know, but there's still, you know, I think... I, <laughs> Next weekends we're going to get some some really bad movies. And I think we're going to see... <laughs> <laughs> like what? What's, what do you um, foresee as the bad ones next weekend? I mean, I haven't seen it yet. But, I mean, there's Premium Rush, which, you know, was delayed for, for a long time. And uh, what, what's the other movie opening next week? Um, Premium
0: Rush. Oi. The Apparition.
1: That was That's a ghost movie from, like, three years ago. uh uh-huh. Ashley Green. And that's, that's opening, in, like, 800 theaters. They're, they're not even, like, bothering to, like, try to get it out there. So... But, mm-hmm. I, think, I, I have a feeling that like there's gonna be next week's top five is going to be some of the, some of the movies already in the top 10. I think I don't think anything is going to really crack the top five next weekend so mm. you
2: know I, I smirked a little bit when you said it's only opening in 800 I realize that is a relatively uh, uh, definitely on the small side by today's standards. You know how many theaters the uh, first wide release super hit Jaws opened in in 1975?
1: theaters to something no how many 400 something. Yeah, that that was major. That was major for the time.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But for Warner Brothers, because even they, even you know, right, for this time of year, you you can get screens, and mm-hmm. they, they could have at least done like you know twenty, two hundred or something like that and tried. But eight hundred is like, whatever. They're just like they're just throwing it out there and hoping them. Mm-hmm. So. hoping for There's, the best. Two, which I don't remember where it is. Unfortunately, uh, I, I oh, hit and run the Zach uh, Shepard, Kristen Bell, kind of India. Yeah. I mean, that's getting that's getting a lot of theaters. But again, I just don't see anyone really caring. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, I saw it, and uh, um, I don't
2: know when the. Oh God! I just said the word um. I just said you the did, word Zee, um. I just went. You I know. just did a you piece of no I, I don't like people to say um. You dumb, I, I prefer an Uneducated
0: man. <laughs> no, just,
2: <kidding. laughs> I just said um. God, I, I know it's, it's a sense.
0: transitional yeah. thing. You have to say something like that. You know.
2: Well, right. yeah, uh, is okay, uh, but um, um, you know, I hate people that go. Um
1: I'm not sure. I just you know, just kind of dorky um, sounding. Why, 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 how many times have you said it before? How many times have I've already said it probably about twenty times, right? At the least
0: I like it when people say it in a funny way, like, um yeah, like that.
1: <laughs> That's funny. That's funny.
2: <laughs> you're trying um, to deliver an ironic, oh yeah, no kidding, uh, right, point. Right. I I like that, yeah. Uh, incidentally, uh, the um, I was going to I'll say something about Hit and Run, which um, uh, opens this coming Friday in a second because I saw it at a, at the premiere screening at the um, L.A. Live last week. But uh, the master showed again had another one of its special screenings last night too. And, uh-huh. and Ed, you're a New Yorker, so you probably know about this. It showed in Queens at the Museum of Moving Image. Did you hear about this, or did you
1: heard about it as I was coming back at eleven thirty at night from a party, and they like, oh yeah, it screened again last night. I'm like, oh great. Like I heard, like I was with actually hanging with Chris Tappley, who's moved to New York, and he actually mentioned that it was shown. It was like, I, I wouldn't have gone out to the movie, the Museum of Moving Images for anything anyway, so it's not like I would have.
0: <laughs> Why? It's
1: like a bit, it's a, it's a bit of a hike to a Story. It's like I don't go there normally, right? Uh, but also played a film forum, and I, I, I do go to film forum a lot, but like. Like I don't know. I, I had party plans, so I just did that. I wouldn't. I don't, like, if I heard about it, I might have canceled the party, maybe. But I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. Did Chris Tapley go to it? No, no. He he was at the party with me. But He
2: did not. Okay, so he did not, He just heard about it himself.
1: Okay. And I don't know. This the, the Chicago screening seems to be the one with the most. Like most people knew about it beforehand. Right. It seems. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't tell anybody about the Arrow screening. That was just suddenly that
0: happened Same just like New York. that. New York was surprised. They were surprised. And people didn't find yeah. out about it until after.
1: I think yeah. Chicago seems to be like whoever runs here probably got, got, like leaked the word to someone and got, just got around really fast. Because they everyone in Chicago seems to have seen it now. So.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right.
1: Uh,
0: it's weird, well, isn't it, though, anyway,
1: um, Hit and run, I just want to give uh, Dax Shepard, who
2: I have never been all that taken with. Uh, I never saw him on uh, uh, on uh, punk or, or uh, and I didn't think he was that uh, uh, entrancing in the freebie which is the last one I remember that he was in but it's uh, this film has very good <clears throat> clever uh, writing particularly writing that uh, about men and, men and women uh, talking to each other and dealing with issues and being honest and you know the whole thing uh, they really know how to write well together and it has the, some of the best uh, kind of uh, quasi farcical uh, man woman relationship dialogue I've heard in a long time, and some of it's really good. I mean, it really has good. But but he's also very big into the whole blue collar uh, car chase thing. Yeah, and, and that's a big part of it. And it, I don't. I wasn't that moved but because it's not exceptional. It doesn't stand out or move the. Um, you know, what, what, are the, what are the films that have moved car chases along big time? Uh, after Bullet, of course, that was the first big one. And then certainly John Frankenheimer's uh, Ronin was good. And uh, I thought that Quentin Tarantino moved it along pretty well in Death Proof. But there's no, it's only a handful, right? So.
1: so the Fast and Furious movies have made the, the car chases. I mean, that's, that's really set the standard, in my opinion, like in 10 years. Yeah. But I don't believe those. Really, I don't know. Well, the thing about the the thing about Dak Shep, I actually talked to him. I've actually seen the movie. The thing about him is that he actually was a real, you know, off-road driver. He was a real driver. He actually, you know, was grew up in Michigan, driving. Mm-hmm. So he was actually doing a lot of that driving. So it was, it was convincing. I wasn't a big I wasn't a big fan of the movie, but I liked the the things you talked about. I liked the relationship stuff, and I liked the the racing. Cause mm-hmm. he, but overall, I thought the movie was just kind of eh, whatever.
2: Hmm. Because yeah, because it doesn't really build up into anything that's uh, all that. Uh, <clears throat> All that rock and sock him at the end, but it's um, they should be he should be writing more scripts and doing stuff that's that's a little smarter because he's uh, I know that his money people the people whatever you know he got the funding they said listen we got to make this entertaining we got to get people to come in and see it so you got to put car chases in which I understand that thinking but it really is not that uh, oh, the, car, right.
1: the car chases were it was his thing for sure the car chases he wrote the movie so he can do the car chases that's okay. It. And like, he, and he has another movie lined up already. He's going to do a movie in Hawaii, and uh, he's going to keep directing stuff. I and mean, maybe he'll get better as a director and a writer. And you know, mm-hmm. it seems like right. he's making like mainstream movies. He's not trying to make. He's not trying to be Ben Affleck. He's not trying to be like you know Clint Eastwood or anything like that. He's trying. He's just trying to be like do fun, mm-hmm. fun, you know, light comedy action movies.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. All right. All right. So I was. going What were we going? Oh yeah, the
2: the, the master. Um, so there's another one coming up uh, of The Master uh, on this coast. I'm not going to say where it is because I said it wouldn't say, but it is on this coast, and, and I believe. I, actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't know that it's happening, but I've been told it's probably very going to happen. But I, I'm starting to think, uh, based upon you know what I've read, mostly out of Chicago, and please tell me if you have a different uh, viewpoint, I'm starting to feel a devaluation of that film somewhat because so many people have found it um, uh, perplexing, uh, uh, hard to get into, hard to make. Let's put it this way. They found it difficult to uh, sum it up in their heads afterwards. Quite a few people following the Chicago screening said, i got to think about this a bit more. Uh, I think i got to see it again. You know, that refrain was constant.
1: Yeah, I haven't really been reading much of the stuff out of – I mean, I, I've, yeah, I've heard some of those things, and I, but I haven't, I've kind of stayed away from it so I can make my own decision. But uh, that's kind of what I've been hearing. As when compared to Malik, and it's, like, not, you know, huge narratively based, I guess.
0: Yeah, except mm-hmm. for it didn't have the same kind of breathtaking mm-hmm. um, quality that Tree of Life had. Like, I think people came out of that saying that was incredible. I have no idea what it's about. But mm-hmm. I think with Tree of Life, there was a little bit more to hold on to because even though it sort of has no, you know, it, it doesn't follow a linear plot. Although you could say that it did, but... It, it's very emotional and what I'm getting from the master is that it's not it's cold it's it's um, but it's still perplexing and all that so I think people are having mm-hmm. uh, I've heard the range of things I've heard people say it's like the greatest thing they've ever seen but they have no idea what it was about and I've heard people say it's pretty good it's a b plus you know but what's mm-hmm. interesting to me is that it started out being it was going to be announced in Venice, and it was a good strategy for the Weinstein Co. to set it up as an Oscar movie to, to make a big splash in Venice. But then it was sort of like either Paul Thomas Anderson got mad because Weinstein did that and you know cocked blocked the whole Fantastic Fest thing, and so he decided he wanted to do the pop-up screenings, or the Weinstein Co. was smart about it, realized Harvey Weinstein knows everything about Oscar voters, realized they don't have an Oscar movie, and... Better to get that word out early before it hits Venice and it gets trashed.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's the whole thing. It's a very weird. I mean, cause I, again, when they when they moved the, the movie up earlier, it used to it was going to be coming out in October, and they moved to September, like like literally at the tail end of Toronto and Venice and all that. Yeah. And it was just it seemed like such a strange move to do that in the first place, and then the pop up things where it's like, you're, you're, I mean, except for Chicago, you're not really getting pressed out early. You're getting, you know. The people who happen to be there can write reviews right. of it and stuff like that. They're film but,
0: fans, cinema fans. Yeah, cinema
1: yeah, fans. Basically, but it's like I just don't understand like, I don't understand the I don't understand the motivation for for a movie it earlier. I mean they could have given more, themselves more time to get word out. They're, um, they're, it's
0: funny, they're doing the war horse strategy, but they're doing it with cinephiles. Like they're hoping that the buzz will generate among people who love movies and not be led by people who walk in and look at it and go, uh, not an Oscar movie, you know.
1: Yes, so
0: yeah because you they yeah, would they would have put you know all of us in front of it no problem oh, yeah. all of us chris you me everybody if they thought that it was gonna play um in the oscar race pretty they we would already have seen it for sure just like yeah. warhorse they kept us from seeing it they're doing that same thing with this movie it's probably still a great movie it's just that the oscar game has to be played you know and and uh it's probably
1: right. Yeah, right. yeah wars had that weird like rollout, right? Didn't they play like in Kansas or some weird places like that? And like it wasn't even like yeah, you know, they decided to play to
2: people in rural areas where you didn't get your a congregation of, of um, you know of high end sophisticated uh, film writers. So they wanted to have just regular folks see it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then, but then Chicago is different though, because Chicago had like you know. Roger Roger Ebert was there, right? Did he see it already?
0: Yeah, he saw it. He just hasn't said anything about it, so that's suspicious. I thought
2: he wrote something that I do not want to see, something that is not entirely done, because it wasn't entirely... You know, the closing credits were on it when they showed it in Chicago.
0: Oh, so he didn't see it.
2: I just thought I heard or read something about somebody having read that he had said that. I'm not. I don't have the documentation to, or the the well, link to show you. Well,
0: um, Michael Phillips, the Chicago Tribune, he did see it and he wrote a review, which I did not read, but I linked to it on Twitter. But he's written mm-hmm. a review and he's he's a legit critic, so you could see what he has to say mm-hmm. if you want to find out how the critics are going to respond. But basically, to get into the Oscar race, it's really, really, really going to need. Major critic support is what I'm gathering from the way that it is being talked about. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to have like "there will be blood" kind of praise.
1: Yeah, I think. You know, it can- I have a feeling it won't. I have a feeling. Won't. I have a, feeling it, I have a feeling that. I mean, but before it might get like uh, Joaquin Phoenix might he. I think I hear. I've heard good things about his performance. Maybe that's the way to go.
0: And Amy There's Adams like- and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, those two seem like a ge- uh, Phoenix and, and Hoffman seem like guaranteed. Um, nominees right there you know but beyond mm. that i don't know um cinematography for sure uh costume possibly art direction maybe mm-hmm.
2: i would think that the cinematography for sure from from what everyone even those who seem to be a little down on it pretty much everybody has been floored by the quality of the yeah. of the images so
0: it probably will win cinematography mm. even Although it has a lot of competition coming up, for sure, with some for movies. for
2: two reasons also. I mean, besides the cinematography, uh, uh, I think besides the quality of it, I also think that it's a, a, to be nominated for best um, cinematography would be to say uh, a kind of a, a tribute to the the, the, the fading format of seventy millimeter in film in general.
0: Absolutely.
1: Also, well, yeah. he he didn't have Robert, Robert Ellsworth this time. He had some guy Mihai Malamari. Who's
0: that? Right, I know. Yeah, I don't
1: know. Oh, wait, he, name oh, at all. It, oh, he did, uh, he did mm-hmm. Tetro and Youth Without Youth. He worked with uh, with Coppola. He did Coppola's movies.
0: So maybe okay. he's good at the. He knows the large format better, or.
1: Yeah, well, I think Robert Elsford was doing, like, Born and other. I think Robert Elsford was busy doing other things, mm. but. But, uh, I know, mean, those movies look. I mean, Tetro and Youth Without Youth, or whatever, you know, they did look really good, and they did. You know, I think he's probably a quality
0: cinematographer. Yeah. The thing about the Oscars, though, is that is that when the Cinematography Guild will praise it to the high heavens. But when it comes to Oscar voters, it's not based, as we know, for Roger Deakins never winning. It's not based on how good the cinematography is. It's how much they like the movie, usually. I mean, it's still, if it's pretty enough. But if it really does put people off and they can't stand to watch it, you know, it might have a trouble um, winning for that reason, for for them to respect the the wide format and all that, it still has to be um, a palatable film on some level, I think. But
1: well, you know, Roger Deakins' only chance of getting uh, nominated this year is Skyfall. So if he gets nominated for Skyfall, he'll get he'll lose an Oscar for, on that one, I guess. <laughs>
0: oh, mm-hmm.
1: <God>. Sorry, Roger.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah. So oh,
2: awesome. you want to talk about Telluride in Toronto?
0: Um. Yeah, no. I saw side-by-side also, if you want to talk about that at all. Anybody? Oh, oh,
2: please, let's do that. Yeah, and you also saw compliance. Let's talk about those two. Have you seen, seen either of those two? Yeah,
1: see, I've seen side-by-side, like, a lot, actually. And compliance, I, have, I haven't seen since Sundance, but I have seen both of them, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, so first uh, take on compliance, Sasha, what do you think?
0: Compliance. Um I thought at first it was difficult to get into it because, you know, it's really hard to buy that anybody would fall for that, you know? But I thought after you settle into the concept and you get used to it, then it becomes really suspenseful to find out who who will do what they're asked to do and why. You know, and I found it really compelling in kind of a deliverance sort of way. You know, it's it's sort of like this this weird thing that's about to happen. And you know everybody's gonna be changed from it by the end. And uh, you know, it's a creepy no, really. story. I immediately researched the real life story, you know, of it. Right. To find there's out. many.
1: Uh,
2: the director told me actually there's quite a few incidents of this having happened, perhaps as a result of one guy scamming various people at various fast food establishments and doing this. But I know that what you're referring to, it happened in Georgia uh, in particular. But did there are he many, really many say places, that uh, perhaps?
0: No, no. It's there were 70 cases by this one guy, but this one was in Kentucky and it was the only one where they went this far. The rest of them, it okay. never got this far. One girl ran through a fast food place naked, mm. and one girl tried to seduce a guy that they said was a sexual predator. Um, but no, they never got to blowjobs and finger banging and stuff. And um, oh, actually, I don't think finger banging's in the movie, but in real life, that happened.
1: Yeah, it's funny. After I saw the movie at Sundance, I also kind of was like, "This this can't really happen." And I read, the, I found like that 18-page Courier article on that one i was like wow that's all that's really detailed and had a lot of like yeah. you know there were, how it affected people and
0: yeah there were so many complex things going on there and i think the movie did a really good job trying to nail those down like the weird perverted boyfriend and um the weird dynamic between the young girl and the older woman how you know she's when she first comes in she makes fun of her because she's gross and old and and, um, and well, uh, she doesn't make
2: fun of her to her face, she says it's kind of icky to think about older women having she any kind of sex.
0: But she hears right? that, she hears that, oh. and she looks yeah. back and she's like, Oh my god, you know, she feels horrible about it. So, obviously, you're set up from the beginning for her to feel like she has something to prove to this young, mm. you know, smart ass well, girl,
2: or wants to get back at her on some
0: level, right? I think so, yeah. I think that's a lot of the motivation of her character for sure. Plus, she's sort of like flirting with the guy, you know, it's all about her ego and her job performance and she thinks the Mm -hmm. other person's on the other end of the line and she'll do anything for her boss, you know. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a a woman thing. Why wouldn't she
2: ask to speak to the boss do you think, ever? Why wouldn't she ask to speak to him, say... I just like to just run this by him, and I'll, I'm definitely your girl. I'll do whatever you want, but I want to talk right. to my boss about this, please.
1: I know. Yeah, I think it's a situation. You're in a situation which you're not familiar with, and you're like you're being told to do certain things. And yeah, it might might not you might have just not thought of it in the moment, you know, maybe. Um.
0: Well, I was once um, in my 20s, living in my apartment in Santa Monica, a tiny little one room on Montana Ave. I was about 23 or 24. And I got a phone call, and it said, collect call for Mr. Stone. And I was from Mr. Stone, and I thought, oh, my God, it must be my dad. So I accepted the collect call, and the guy said on the phone, if you say, you know, don't hang up the phone or I will come to your apartment right now and kill you. And he started to talk to me. And he talked to me, told me, you know, to tell him what I was wearing. And, you know, pretty soon he had to get off the phone. But I went along with it because I was scared and it was a it was a fight or f- fight or flight reaction it wasn't rational at all and I was already 22 23 this girl was only 18 living in Kentucky and working at McDonald's for God's sake you know I mean it mm-hmm. is a scary thing it, I'm just saying 18 years old working at McDonald's in Kentucky it's, it's you're going to be scared too you know and I was scared right. I already knew I've been around the block and I I know how people are and a part of me was saying this isn't real but another part of me was saying well what if it is you know it's too scary to contemplate and well after he hung up i called the police and an, an officer came um to talk about it with me and they it was call, they traced the call to prison some guy from prison doing it <laughs> uh, you know just trying to get off or whatever but um but I, I you know that's why i saw the movie differently than a lot of people who were yeah. saying they don't buy it because i was i know what that feels like i really do
1: I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen Compliance in a while. But like, does she ever like completely just freak out and start yelling? Because I don't think so. I feel like she always kind of just goes along with it and doesn't doesn't go along with it. But it doesn't like which like one? I, I, Dream Dreamer Dreamer
2: of Walker? Walker. Yeah,
1: the girl. I, I thought at one point she would just mm-hmm. go like, "No, I'm not doing it." You know, stop this. Get some. You know, like
0: yeah. But see, would, girls are raised. Women are raised to be good girls, to be good little girls. And if somewhere along the line they don't turn into rebels. um they're going to always be good girls. That's what both of those women were. They were compliant, good girls. And you notice how the people that objected were mostly men. And the other woman was like, um, you know, I'm not going to get involved. And one was saying, you know, well, I always thought something was wrong, but I didn't feel like taking action. Whereas there were two guys that, that did stand up. And I, I'm i not trying to be sexist or generalist. I'm just saying that, I, you know, I think that it does have a lot to do with being raised a girl and being, you know... A good girl and doing what you're told.
1: There was, what's interesting is that in the, the, the actual, what happened, the, the girl this actually happened to, she was very, she was a Christian, she was very, she was very religious. And probably and this, and I, I feel like that in the, the, the Dream of Walker character, they kind of didn't portray that way. They didn't really, they, I mean, she kind of was kind of portrayed like she was a little bit rebellious from the yeah, get go, too. That's true. So, so it's a little bit, it was a little bit different. When I was reading the story and seeing that it was just some, some like, you know, good Christian girl who kind of like a Involved in this It was, you know It was just horrifying, you know Right,
0: and that so, that's even more The reason why she would Go through with it Because she is really Afraid of evil, you know And she She was also just Not very bright, let's face it She was not a very smart girl And, uh In real life mm-hmm. The one in the film Seemed like she was smart
1: Yeah I was, I was actually Because the performances I remember the performances All being were all re- really good Like Ann Dowd was great mm-hmm. Pat Healy I knew from before He was in, uh Pat Healy was in Great World of Sound And he was in The Innkeeper's and he was really good as just a guy on the phone. He was doing like the, what was it? Was that the phone booth? What was that? Remember that Colin Farrell movie, Phone Booth, where it just had, yeah. Um, it just had uh, who's, who's the actor? Oh my God. Um, so he Kiefer Sutherland was on the phone, and he kind of just you know, literally phoned it in. But Pat Healy gave a little more to that kind of role, like as, as the as the guy on the end of the phone. They actually showed him in his office, kind of like, you know, grinning and enjoying what he's doing, what he's getting away with.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't it? Wouldn't it strike somebody, even a person who's not that worldly, a person who works in a fast food industry in the middle of the country? Wouldn't it strike somebody as a little bit odd that a cop's calling you, and then all of a sudden you hear your uh, phone card time is about to run out?
0: Um, so, what was the reaction um, in Sundance for compliance? I, I don't really remember it being a. A the famous
2: play. reaction that everybody wrote about and has been referring to in constant, uh, you know, reviews and pieces is that people got very angry um, at the filmmaker. <clears throat> um, they felt that he was not just he felt that in choosing this particular story, he was using he was kind of creating an uh, almost an exploitation film uh, by the uh, the caller, the prankster. Kind of uh, getting off on getting this girl to take her clothes off and and be invaded and this way and that. <clears throat> he was um, obviously having his own little game, but then the filmmaker by showing this is is doing the same thing. That's what some people were, yeah. You know, yeah,
1: I remember there was a lot of outrage. The, like the premiere, I remember the Q and A from the premiere. There was I wasn't there, but there was a lot of outrage. And I and I saw a public screening myself, like maybe a couple of days later. And I can't, I can't I honestly can't remember if I stayed for the Q and A, but I don't I don't remember there being like, I don't remember a lot of people walking out or anything like that, but I do remember people being bothered by the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's,
2: nobody would think that they'd be so stupid as to go along with that. And
1: nobody, nobody believes that they would be
2: uh, like those people at the, at the restaurant. So.
0: Yeah, except for they did. I mean, that's stuff yeah, It happened, yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and, and I was uh, told by um, the director, when I mentioned the statistics for the... Um, Milgram experiment of the early 60s, mm. and I was under the impression, <clears throat> uh, uh, the, the incorrect impression, that uh, a vast majority of the people that they got into that uh, experiment uh, went along with torturing people on the other side of the wall by pushing the button and zapping them electrically. That's actually not true. About He said it's more like 60%. Mm. So, you know, two-thirds, something like that. Hmm. So it's not everybody, but I think 60%, that's a pretty considerable figure of people who are willing to go along with some pretty uh, horrible things as far as treating other people in a bad way. So. Yeah, Be-
1: wow. The, the, fun, the funny thing is that uh, I was having dinner with a friend of mine, a woman friend, and she and she asked, She asked. hadn't seen the movie yet, and she asked me if she should go see it. And I was really just kind of on the – I was kind of really – I mean, I, I like the movie and I like the performances and I liked what they did and how they did it, but like – it was really hard for me to recommend it to her because I felt like, you know, I, I think she'd be really bothered by it. And I don't know. But she, I think she's going to go see it anyway. But I think it, it's just one of those things you can't really recommend the movie wholeheartedly to say, everyone because I feel like it's it just like some people will, will be offended or mad. And, like, I don't, I don't want to be the guy who.
0: Like that. <laughs> That's sort of why it reminds me of Deliverance, you know, because it's like, yeah, Deliverance, what a great movie. Go watch that. It's like you can't yeah. recommend Deliverance to everybody.
1: <laughs> exactly, it's exactly like that. Exactly. So I'm kind, of, I'm kind of, I gave it a kind of a mixed positive review out of Sundance, mm-hmm. so I haven't seen it since then. So
0: Ed told me to go watch this
1: movie. It was so gross and creepy. <laughs> That's yeah. actually happened. Actually, there was, I don't even. There was this French horror movie called Inside, which was about. This this pregnant woman being terrorized, and uh, I love the movie. But I, I every, every person I recommended it to, thought I was completely sick. Even though it was such it was such a good movie, but whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't mind. I didn't mind the uncomfortable part of it or the sick part of it. I was really kind of fascinated by the whole thing. You know, I found it really darkly fascinating that they would that this girl was going to go do this, and and how it what it did to the audience, which is it sort of makes you a voyeur, <clears throat> and it makes you kind of want to see what happens next you know um
2: could i ask something i've completely forgot uh um and i've got it on disc rewatch rewatch it but I, I can remember of course the uh the, the his suggestion that a strip shirt chaplain which does i can remember that the boyfriend is brought in to do
1: a cavity probe but i don't remember oral sex are you saying that was part of it they, they didn't actually yeah. show they didn't actually show it but they it kind of was they well they kind of showed it kind of but they it was sort of like that was towards the end of what happened. That was sort of like the he got left alone. The, the boyfriend got left alone with the with her, right. and the t- caller said, "Okay, this is what has to happen." And then you kind of see. But wait a minute! A, he says he, you have he,
0: to reward him for doing such a good job, and um, right. I wouldn't have known. I don't think that it was a blow job unless I had researched the real story. Because you can go on YouTube and you can find the real surveillance tape, right. and it shows everything that happened, like the spanking and the jumping jacks and the blow job. <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, they kind of – in the movie, they have a, the movie – I actually remember they do – the way they show her, because they kind of show her on her hands and knees like naked. Yeah, fine. but it's but not actually, they entirely... the head, But It showed, they wasn't graphic, but they kind of – the uh-huh. angle they showed seemed to imply that she was giving him a blowjob. Yeah, yeah.
0: it definitely does. It's implied, but it's – you know, it's, you could have missed it if you didn't um...
1: – Okay, okay. Yeah, if you, were, if you walked out – 20 minutes earlier <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: see
1: what
2: this movie has is he definitely is something to talk about and it definitely has stuff that sticks to your ribs right which sure. is what you can more than you can say for I'd say a good you know a healthy majority of the films that right. come out so it's you know pretty good I think yeah
0: so, I so. agree and I think ann Dowd is great I think she gives a really incredible-
1: I sp- I spoke to her also did you spoke to her right Sasha no I didn't oh Mm-mm. I spoke to I spoke to all of them back at Sunday and I did a little like Talk to mm-hmm. I talked to all of them. But, yeah, I thought that all the performances were great. And I think, you know, I mean, Dreamer Walker is now on, like, a sitcom on ABC, and it's very different. You know, so to see her doing something a little more dramatic is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, she's, I thought she was really great, actually. I will never understand how you,
2: Ed, and others that I know that go to the festivals can say, okay, I'm going to go to the festival and see everything I can and try and really cover this thing. And I'm also going to do junket <laughs> interviews. I don't, I don't
1: see anything. Oh. How do you well, feel? We know what- when we, when we start talking about Toronto we'll, we'll get into that but that's like yeah that's it's it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a because because the thing is that as my, as, I have, it's my job I get I don't have my own site so I'm basically going to do what I'm you know going to do what they want me to do like a so you're gonna Toronto- do loop, super interviews right you're gonna do loop- yeah. yeah yeah to Toronto I kind of have to do as much <laughs> a Toronto after I'm going there for the junkets but like yeah I'm, I'm it's a, it's a real pain because like I don't want I had the same problem last year I want I want to see, see movies and I have once these these, these interviews are scheduled, which really. But you know, I've actually I've actually been kind of known to kind of rebel against my, my interviews and can, like I canceled an interview with Ed Norton to see the Hurt Locker a couple of years ago. So it's like I'll, I'll rebel. Like if I don't like the movie, I'll, I'll, I'll rebel against my interviews. And I,
0: I approve of that choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know,
1: I know. It was a good, it was a good, it was a good choice. I was very, you know, I think because I didn't like the – I was it was for for uh, Pride and Glory. Was that the movie that with him and uh, Colin Farrell, the Irish cop movie? Remember that one? Yeah. yeah. I don't but, know. Like, so, yeah. I have a hard time. we talk about, we talk about Toronto. I can get into that whole, like, how, how I figure it out. But, yeah, I'm, I mainly have to do interviews when I can, so.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: So
2: what did you think of BOT side-by-side? Did you get the current I got off it, or were you just, what did you think?
0: Oh, that? me? Um, yeah. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. really compelling and, and brilliantly uh, told, and I think they set it up. Sort of a little bit deceptively Like you think that they're going to come down on the side of film But they really don't They come down on the side of digital by the mm-hmm. end And um, I just hope From what, you know Everything that I saw in that movie And my own experience of film that, that film doesn't go away And that they can exist side by side I really hope that that's how the future is I know that the future is probably digital It's just too easy But, um
2: There's one thing you can't dispute, at least from what I understand about it, is that your film is likely to survive more decades if you have a good, solid um, element on film somewhere, and -hmm. you can save it that way because the digital formats, as we know, how many have been in effect since the 1950s? Eight or nine different ones?
1: I think they they said more than that. I think they said more than that, even. Okay. Yeah. But you had
2: reel-to-reel, half-inch, in- one one-inch, and then half-inch, and then, of course, beta, and then VHS, and then, uh, you know, those have been the major ones. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, you have to transfer digital data from one to another, and you're going to involve some sort of degradation in the quality, and whereas when it goes to film, you're not it's it's really going to be well preserved if it's done on so so I think the film really has to be considered as the, as the ultimate protection thing until well, somebody can figure it out so
1: well see, because I thought I thought the movie was a lot more balanced than sasha I thought it was actually it was basically saying that the two are there's nothing good or bad about one or the other but they're, they they I mean they talk about different things like the like the one guy gave the really good example if you have all your your movie stored on a hard drive that hard drive dies you've lost your no, tons Of work, and that's like you have to back stuff up. But the thing is, it also, as far as film goes, you know, it's really interesting this conversation is happening right now. It actually, the release of this movie ended up being so perfectly timed because, uh, because first of all, with the master being screened 70 millimeter, Mm. then also this other movie, Samsara, which opens Friday. Which is, do you know know this guy? You know, did you see Baraka? Do you know those movies? I haven't seen
2: Samsara, I know it's, it's been screened, but I haven't gotten to it.
1: Oh, it's really, it's really an amazing film, and it's basically they went to. All over the world, shooting—you know—a lot of things you've never seen before. Always using 70 millimeter cameras, shooting everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, I spoke to them recently, and they—once they shoot it on 70 millimeter, they have a very elaborate process to get it converted to digital, um, like very high definition digital. And they basically, once they get it into digital, they stay there, and they actually, they're actually—they're actually screening it digitally, because once once it's captured in 70 millimeter, they, they do everything else digitally, and then they basically screen it places digitally now. Rather than 70 millimeter, but it was kind of I thought it was kind of an interesting way because that it's like these guys were very purist as far as shooting 70 millimeter, you know, going everywhere with these large cameras. Um, once they get into digital, like like in the editing and the post production, seems to be the digital way to go. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oops, I got an echo.
1: Yep, got her. No, no, I got a.
0: Someone's echo. speaker is on. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know if. Uh, oh, I said um. <laughs> I don't know if, um, um, there we go. I think digital works fine. Like when I'd shoot photography, I always shoot digitally. I would never use film. Like in in photography, it's totally transferred over. There is no stigma with digital anymore. The cameras are good enough. No really good photographer professional doesn't shoot on digital now. It's just totally a given. It's just the respected form now. It's the format. You know, the days of Ansel Adams are gone because Ansel Adams was the only one who could do that. Now, anybody with a really great camera and a manual can get close to that, which is strange and surreal about photography. But filmmaking requires storytelling and it requires more careful consideration of, of shot setups. That's why I wonder, yes, we're moving forward. But like David Lynch says, you know, you give a guy a pen and a paper, anybody can get a pen and a paper, but who can tell really great stories on that? I still yeah, how many it,
2: people have told great stories? Was have it, told, and, yeah. and you have to ask yourself. Well, that, when you get right down to it, not, not as not as many considering,
0: considering. The potential. Right. right, and everybody. I was I was talking this last night about how when I wanted to be a filmmaker back in the early days, it was always about, oh my god, I have to raise enough money to buy eight millimeter film or sixteen millimeter film, and I can't do that, so I can't right. make a movie. And then I got to Columbia and uh, Columbia Grad Film School and they said, you know, you're going to be working on video. Here's your video camera. And I dropped out thinking, I'm not going to pay $20,000 a year to go to film when they're going to teach me about video. Video's not going anywhere. Hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. of course, it is. But
1: but the funny thing is you can, you can do you can do a lot of the same. Thing. The thing is it's just like, like making a film. You can do a lot of the same things as far as shot. I mean if you have a talent and an eye, you can do yeah. things. The question is whether or not. You know, and then digital, Right now, digital, as I say, the, dig- the resolution of you know, high-def digital is, is up there that you can capture basically exactly what you have in front of you. Yeah, it's more it's, convenient, no, but it yeah. doesn't
0: improve on story. For instance, if you're raising money for a movie and it, you have to have a good script, you, know, you have to have a really good, well-thought-out concept, you have to pitch it, and then you have to raise the money for it. People believe in the project. This is the old days. Now anybody can right. take a camera and shoot any old movie. It doesn't make it better, it just makes it easier for the people who really have good stories to tell. But as you can all tell from the way film is now, it, they haven't gotten that much better in, mm-hmm. uh, in that evolution. I mean, how do you get better than Citizen Kane, the shot setups, just just on a, on a film level, Citizen mm, Kane, right. the way it looks? You're never going to improve on that. That looks perfect, you know? Um, that, no digital camera, I don't think, could, could match that and could look that good. That's my but, that
1: wasn't that, but that wasn't just because of the camera. That was also because you had Orson Welles and you had these great yeah. actors. But, but great Welles, door, yeah, but Orson Welles,
0: they considered the story when they set up the shots, kind of like the Coens do and Scorsese. They storyboard, heavily storyboarded it um, with Greg Toland. And, and, for instance, when he wanted a certain shot, he had to cut a hole in the floor, put the camera on the floor, and shoot up. Mm-hmm. And everything was to highlight the loneliness and, and despair and power of this character. I don't know that given the ease of equipment now Orson Welles would have been that inventive in those hmm. shot setups I'm not sure that he would have been because it was so hard to do back then
1: Right There's also the this, and they talk about this in the movie they, they, there's also the you know okay you only have 10 minutes of film so you, you don't want to you don't waste time right. you know like like when you when you when you when you have when you say they go when they say action it's like those actors are going to put everything into that scene it's not going to be like oh it's right, whatever we'll, we'll have 45 minutes of you know, we're able to get something eventually.
3: Yeah. You know? Right.
1: So there's an there's immediacy the the of the film, which kind of still probably has added a lot to the films that have... But yeah. there have been a lot... You know, War Horse made on film. I mean, it looked great.
0: It, it did. You know, it, it really. <laughs> I
1: don't,
0: you know, I don't think anything Scorsese's ever done on digital looked better than the movies he did on film. Um, Gangs of New York, right. as much of a message as it is, it's it's a breathtaking oh. film to look at. Right. And it shocks you because you're so used to digital now. And when you see a movie like that on film that was so carefully constructed to look great, you know, that's the problem is they don't have to work as hard because they know they can do a lot of stuff in post. And um, only people like David Fincher, totally freaky micromanagers, are going to spend that much time really with digital trying to make everything, every shot count. You know, I think... I that,
2: you know, that um, the... Capabilities of the Alexa and the and the Genesis, and the and the and the Red are are such now that you can shoot digital and make it look like 1950s uh, yeah. kind of Technicolor film. You can make you can do anything. You I don't know, really you know the, the necessity for film absolutely doesn't exist any longer. I, except, I know, except but except
0: it, for I, I just I'm not sure that that makes. For better movies, that's all I'm saying is that I, I'm not sure that it does. I mean, I know Paul Thomas Anderson and Christopher Nolan look like dinosaurs now, that they they're holding on to film. They really do. But
2: and Reed Morano, that 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 great cinematographer who did that great concert film, uh, she, she's a, a holdout. And who else is it? Uh, Wally Pfister, of course, who shot. But there's not that many people in the film who are adamant 35-millimeter, uh, 70-millimeter They're
0: not really because because of the freedom it affords. Like, for instance, what I do approve of greatly and that I didn't know before I saw Side by Side was how Anthony Dodd-Mantle really revolutionized what Probably. you were doing. Digital. He's
2: quite the guy, isn't he? <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I mean, I liked Some Dog Millionaire. I thought, wow, what a great movie uh, and everything. And I thought great cinematography. But I didn't quite know... What he had done with that movie, what how he had taken the camera and put it places you can't really take a film camera.
1: Right, absolutely.
3: And we that, to,
0: yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just going to say that in that way, I think it can really invigorate the medium. But I, I hope that. It also means that directors still consider how important shot setups are and lighting and everything before you ever even start to shoot. And don't say, "Oh, oh I'll just fix just, it in post."
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. No, I'm sure they do. I'm sure we know what, what will be interesting. I'll be curious to see whether Martin Scorsese does this new movie, Wolf Wall Street, on, you know, if he does it digitally or if he does it goes back to film because. We- Hugo was just so different from everything else Scorsese had done before. Yeah. he was doing he was to do 3D. It was a kind of a family film. It was based on a you know children's book. It was so different that he could switch to digital and actually create something brand new, but still you know you still feel it's a Scorsese movie. But yeah, I'll see. be curious. Yeah, I'll be curious if he goes, when he does. It, like a drama. When he does something like Wolf and Wall Street. Whether or not I'm
2: honestly curious.
1: I'm honestly wondering, Ed, why you're
2: even wondering if he's going no, to use film. No, he will film. use
0: digital, of course.
2: But he'll, I, of course, use digital. He's, no he's longer, already
0: though. turned over. He's crossed over. He'll never go back. Just like Jimmy. Oh, Kenyan. really? Okay. No, but 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 what I would say to that is that I wish he would think like you're thinking. I wish he would say, "This movie would look better on film. This movie would look better on digital, and make that choice instead of like, everything yeah. on digital." You know?
1: Because with Hugo, it made sense. He had to go digital because he wanted to do 3D. So and, and with with right now for shooting the 3D film, it's only digital. So it made, made made kind of sense. The question is whether or not when well, he goes he, back to something more traditional to what he's you know we're used to seeing from him, whether or not that, say okay, this look better. For, I, don't, I don't even know who's shooting his new movie, but no, he's always you know.
0: going to shoot in 3D from now on, is what he said.
1: Is he? No, yeah. Wolf yeah. on Wall Street's not 3D, is it? I don't think so. I, well, that would be that would be ridiculous.
2: Well, that's what he
0: said. He said he's never going to. He's always going to shoot on 3D. That was his quote. I don't. I mean, I don't know, but that's on. Wow. Well, okay. I
2: also um, um, loved um, Steven Soderbergh's uh, uh, humor in it. The way he said, uh, Uh film is bothering me on all of these levels. It's dirty. Mm -hmm. It has no snap. I hate it. uh, he's gotten so he just doesn't want to deal with the problems that, that film uh, involved. And I love that line that he says about how when he tried the red and he knew what he could get when he was shooting the Che movies, that was the moment when he wanted to call up film and say, "I've met somebody."
0: <laughs> yeah. I know. I thought that he and, and Fincher were the two most animated. I mean, because yeah. both of those guys ha- have switched over and will never look back, and mm-hmm. they don't have a problem with it at all. But they are exceptional filmmakers, you know, and um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't worry. I mean, I'm I'm all for diving right into the future and making what you have now as best you can. I, I know that's how it's going. And and um, the uh-huh. most telling shot in that movie is when the guy's watching Lawrence of Arabia on his iPhone. I mean, all right. the <laughs> fact is, is kids aren't as married to the movie theater and the film experience as we are. I mean, that they're not They're Everything's going to be moved to VOD and um, be digitally transmitted and watched on little handhelds. And that's the future of cinema. You know? I
2: have some skull earphones. And for the first time in my life, late last night, I sat down and watched a film on the iPad. Well, I only just got the iPad, but I've, this is the first time I actually watched a movie start to finish on a device. Cause I hate watching. I won't, uh, the idea of watching a film on an iPhone is horrible. I just think it's wonderful.
0: <laughs> Lords of Arabia, no less.
1: Uh, uh. <laughs> I gotta say, I, I, I actually did that recently. I actually, because it's funny, I actually just—I I usually watch like movies on my TV. Very rarely on my laptop, if it's like if I, that's the only way to see it. But I actually watched the phone a movie on my Droid recently because was like, it was like ten o'clock at night. I just want to lie in bed. And So it was like Conan the Barbarian or something really stupid, but it was—it it was like it was like it was not not original either. It's the, the the new one, but it was like it was on <laughs> Epic. I was sitting my my phone and go, oh, I can watch a movie on my phone while I'm going to sleep. That's so, so funny. That's, that's, what, that's what I did. Well, but by I mean, the way, I, going back to Wolf on Wall Street for second, I, I just checked the cinematographer for that. It's actually it's a pretty serious guy, uh, Rodrigo Pier, Prieto,
3: mm-hmm. who
1: did he did um Brokeback Broke back Mountain. Yeah, Brokeback yeah. Mountain. Uh, beautiful last year. He's got he's got Argo coming out too. Yeah. So he's a, he's he's a serious he's, and less, he did less caution. So I, I assume this guy is not mm-hmm. whether or not they go digital or, or you know film. I, this is a, this is a serious guy as far as so I'm yeah. pretty sure he'll they'll be taking it seriously even if it's digital.
0: Well, I really think that um, Paul Thomas Anderson and Christopher Nolan should should break their weird phobia and start at least trying to shoot stuff in, in digital because mm. they will get left behind. They will in the next twenty years. They will get left behind. We're, we're sort They've of already here. been left
2: behind. They're 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 the curio oddballs who are uh, you know nobody says that they're wrong for loving the idea of shooting on VistaVision and seventy millimeter. I mean these guys are are, are major uh, people, but they're completely uh, out of the uh, scope of or no, of normality in terms of what everybody's doing now. I mean they're, they're, they're
0: yeah they're going to have to you know improvise, adapt, and overcome if they plan on staying uh, thriving filmmakers in the future. Because yeah. sooner or later They're going to have to switch over And it's just a matter of when And yeah. how good they are at the medium Is going to depend on It's just like anybody who got online early You know that the sooner you get there The sooner you start cutting your teeth The sooner you learn how to be good at something The better off you're going to be And it's going to take them a while to catch up When do you With... go, ahead,
1: uh, go ahead I was going to say there's a difference between like, The filming projection Because the thing is They can still make movies I think the thing is that like Paul Thomas Anderson is really trying to get this movie projected in 70 millimeter, and, that, and they were, that's kind of a kind of a, a pride of the movie. They're trying to get it screened in 70 millimeter. That's the, that's going to be the big issue because you know Tom Rothman this year has already said that Fox is no longer going to support you know you know analog film projectors anymore. They're going to just do digital only projections. Mm. So as long as you're you're willing to switch over to digital on the on the back end and find a way to you know get capture what you did on film digital you're fine it's the people who really want to stay you know stay on film and stay you know right right through the end process that's going to be the problem only really
2: you know it's it's also the 70 millimeter projection i i think that when uh if you're a film person you live in this town or new york anywhere where people really know their stuff when you hear that a brand new 70 millimeter print has been created of a well-known film you, you really kind of want to go see it because it's 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 uh, analogous that you're going to be some see something very specific, very sharp, very clear, yeah. robust images. Really, something to, to see. But I gotta tell you, uh, they they tried to do the Spartacus thing that they uh, showed at the Academy, and you can't get a, a better theater to see a film in the Academy. They. Um, took it in like four or five passes or three or four passes i was told to get it right and i went to see it and this is 70 millimeter as as good as it can get and it just printed dark it just didn't have that snap and clarity that the blu-ray has i'm sorry but it didn't wow and and you have to say to yourself so this is as good as it gets and it's not as good as the blu-ray it just isn't
1: Mm. which, which, which movie was that jeff spartacus Oh, because were you there uh, when they did launch uh, of launch of Arabia? Uh, that no? was different. That was a, okay. a, at the
2: academy. They well, had a DCP of Lawrence Arabia, and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Now that was
1: wonderful because again, because okay. it was DCP, and I think you get better quality out of that. So, mm. but the print. I remember there's there a problem. Yeah, I remember there was a problem. I thought there was a problem, but maybe that was DCP. Maybe, that's, maybe that wasn't a uh, uh, seventy millimeter. Yeah.
2: So you were here when they showed it in Los
1: Angeles? No, no, they showed Lawrence of the Arabia Rab- Rab- here at. Uh, I think it was part of the New York Film Festival last year, and there was a problem with, like, sinking sinking, or something like that. There was some kind of problem with the conversion or something, but it was just, like, you know, it was, it was a really big deal because a lot of people showed up to see Lawrence of Arabia and, on the big screen, and it was just, you know, they had, there was, like, problems with it. I don't, I don't have to look it up, the exact problems, but I remember there was something with, like, sinking and something like that, but I think it was, you know, you know. Was that at
2: Walt the, Reed or at the Avery Fisher uh, Hall or where was it? Yeah, it was
1: one, I think it was either Avery, Avery Fisher or Alice Tully. It was one of the bigger places for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, but that's, that's that's the thing with digital too. That's, when you get to projection side. I've been to screen, I don't know if you have, but I've been to screenings where they accidentally deleted the file and stuff like that. And you have to wait two hours for the, yeah. you know. Two, so this this problem is both sides, and also you have to maintain projectors and the cameras and you know.
0: But I mean, it's just it's yet another thing of progress and moving forward. You know, with 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 painters, everybody used to paint on oil, and then they came out with acrylics. Well, acrylics dry dry a lot faster than oil. They don't sit on your palette for like hours and hours where you can go back to them and mix colors they dry within an hour 30 minutes and stuff and you know if if painters had all said well i'm not going to do that i'm only going to stick with oil you know then they were never going to be able to learn this other way of painting which can be just as good but it does require different skill set you know um i just feel like when when something changes you have to embrace it you have to move forward period
2: You know, we can all remember in the very late 90s, when, as the film recounts, it was, uh, it, a film was on digital, you kind of regarded it in a certain way, and maybe it was a little on the dicey side, maybe, you know, obviously low budget. And, you know, you uh, watched it as, as something that had that raw aesthetic, like the, the celebration had a very raw aesthetic, but you gotta say said to yourself, well, this is uh, what they've chosen. I'm just gonna go with it. You know, it doesn't have to look like beautiful 35mm film. Um, at some point though, and, I'm, and it's only recently, this is 2012, I, I don't think that people were starting to realize that digital is really gonna be the dominant ruling thing until about maybe 08 even though i know the collateral yeah. was out in 04 and that was the first time i was really impressed but i think it was sometime more like 08 or 09 when i started to realize pretty much everything's on digital now or it's getting that way yeah
0: so. i think the movie did a really yeah. good job of showing you the history of it and then uh, especially how uh, you know George Lucas got so much shit early on for saying film is dead, and and his his pioneering efforts, Jim Cameron's yeah. pioneering efforts. But you remember, mm-hmm. of course, when um, when Scorsese and and uh, Cameron were sitting down talking about digital, and I mean the the big the giants in film had to really embrace it. People like Spielberg, you know, um,
2: mm-hmm. and Fincher,
0: yeah. and Fincher, and and show that it could. Fincher especially, you know, showed that it can be done with. Fil- with
2: digital. Well, wait a minute. No, haven't I heard uh, uh, a quote from Spielberg? I'm talking about within the last three years, maybe, maybe around the time of Warhorse. But he was saying that he likes to edit film on a on a movieola. He likes the, the dependability of 35. Didn't he
0: say something like that? I don't know, but I, he's a digital guy, isn't he? I mean- no, Warhorse was shot on film.
1: They actually mentioned that in the movie. That's Warhorse was on film. But like, but- I, I I I'd be dubious to think that they actually. I would dubious be dubious to think that anyone actually edits on film on, on movieolas anymore. Like I'd be, if someone actually said they did that, I'd be really, I'd be really kind of, curious. that'd be amazing. Yeah. It would be amazing, but it would also take like, you know, three or four times as long. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right. it's, you know, I don't know. It's Who's just,
0: that old-timer editor they have on there? Ann Coates is on mm-hmm. the movie, right? And but it she is, said
1: she learned, right?
2: She, she learned. Tough, and you know Selma
0: Schoonmaker has learned. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. they have to move forward, too. And, and the camera was the last thing to, to mm-hmm. evolve. Everything else has had to go to digital.
3: Right.
2: So, so the only thing they're missing is I was uh, I sat down with um, Chris Keneally uh, for an interview uh, three four days ago, was that uh, they should have had... Or they could have had some um, addressing of the 48 frame uh, high frame rate thing, which is what well, Digital did, is making. But you know, the,
1: well, the, well, the thing is that the movie was it was actually at Berlin. It's actually premiered at Berlin in February, so I mean they'd have to. And it actually, was but the, the 48 thing really started going, kind of like like a couple months later. So I think they'd have to, right? Like do an addendum to the movie if they really, if they really wanted to get into that. They'd have to do an addendum.
2: It's very hard so, to, it's, to it's, be it's, current. Yeah. And oh yeah. Uh, they were uh, basically stopped shooting or f- were finishing at, at the end of last year or sometime in the fall of 11 and so this is pretty much represents one year ago but even then it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's dated very slightly
0: but um, that is uh, for me I think it's it's too fa- it's moving too fast for people that they need time to catch up they, they have to just first get used to uh, digital and then they get used to 3D because all these filmmakers are so in love with 3D audiences can't really stand it I don't like 3D <laughs> but um, but you know, then to move to 48 frames, I think, is, is the next step. But it's going to be maybe 10 years before that happens.
2: I'm going to tell you, just one more time, 3D in 48 frames is a whole different thing. And at the eye strain element that some people have complained about, uh, I haven't really felt that much, but some people have. Oh, here we go again.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: That's okay. Keep going. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine. Maybe we'll just...
2: the, the 48, the, the eye strain element and the clarity is just astonishing at 48 frames. And you just don't feel that
1: whatever that is that people have complaining about uh, with 24 frames. So it's really something. But I don't we've think o- right we've, only seen, we've only seen we've, we've only seen 10 minutes at 48, though. We don't know what kind of an effect it can have over three hours, though. That's the that's the thing. If you can watch that for you know for three hours straight without it actually affecting you,
0: yeah, I seen- still think it's going to take oh, time man. for them to develop that and for people to get used to it. It's going to be a little bit of an evolution itself, but. Uh, but well, we're moving in that direction, Jeff, and you'll you'll probably come down on on the right side of history there, and people will say, "Oh yeah, Jeff Wells was talking about this ten years ago," and now it's. Uh, D-
2: Douglas Trumbull was saying at Siggraph at this convention in LA not too long ago that it, it really does go away. You know, after you watch something for a couple of hours, you've watched it for a while. It, you know, the because <clears throat> there was a guy who stood up and said, "I don't know if I like this that much. This is too high def video for me." And what, what, you know. So, you know, those reactions are going to be out there.
1: Mm-hmm. By the way, going back to side-by-side for a second, one of the things you mentioned this, Jeff, on your blog, and I kind of felt the same way, is that I was really disappointed they didn't have Michael Mann in there. And I, I'm really curious. Did you, did you find out why Michael Mann isn't in the movie or why they couldn't get like, Michael Mann to talk about, you know, his, his stuff in digital, like in Collateral and Public They, felt that,
2: they felt that the uh, importance of, of Collateral particularly was, was vital. And so they got Dion Beeb to talk about it, who was the uh, DP on most of that film. Uh, for whatever reason, Michael Mann and they did not come together. They they, they clearly knew that they had to include the significance of Collateral uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and Miami Vice, but they didn't uh, get him for some reason. I don't
3: know why. I feel,
1: I feel Dion's like barely – I mean I think maybe like one sentence. It was like very they, – they didn't really spend a lot of time focusing on that. I, really mm-hmm. feel like, I mean they mentioned Collateral and they talk about it, but I feel like they didn't really – like they spent a lot more time on Slumdog and 20, you know Danny Boy. Like I, was, I really felt like I wanted to see more of Michael Mann and more about those yeah. movies because that's yeah. like that's really critical to digital. Level.
0: Well, I felt like the opposite. Like I wanted to see Paul Thomas Anderson talk about film. You know, like I, oh, she had play. been on there because they,
2: they could have had one more hardcore film person. That would have been great to have him. I right, agree. Yeah,
0: have. I think so because I, I it really. Was, was lopsided. Like, there were too many people supporting... Um, but I'm not saying that as a criticism. I loved the movie. I have no criticisms of it. I think it gave me a lot. I, I learned a lot, and it's an interesting debate to bring up, and I thought Keanu Reeves was pretty good as the uh, yeah. Yeah. narrator, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah you, you know, they, they, need to, they need to do... They probably, like, if the movie is successful enough or it gets enough out there, they, they just need to do a second movie and include some of those things, like Peter Jackson and Michael Mann and I mean, there's nothing mm-hmm. more. There's more to the conversation, I think, if you can convince someone to do another movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, they got the big gets with Fincher and Soderbergh, who, who to me are like really and and and. Scorsese. Uh, uh, yeah, Scorsese and um, Danny Boyle, and who yeah, won, yeah. who cinematographer won for the first time in digital for *Slumdog Millionaire*. They got yeah. those guys, and those were good gets on the on the cinematar on the uh, digital side. But I think they mm-hmm. still needed. If Paul Thomas Anderson is only going to shoot in film and is it is you know vehemently opposed to digital, I'd like to hear why. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm,
1: that's true. That's true.
0: Yeah. Mm. So anyway, um
2: well, let's jump into Telluride in Toronto, and then we'll.
0: Okay, this yeah, because we're at about an hour and eight minutes now. <laughs> I can cut a little bit out. <laughs> um, Telluride's coming up, so they're not going to announce till like the day of or something. Isn't that how? they When work? you
2: get there is when they announce.
0: God, man. Yeah.
2: But we, I think, what we know for sure, what I've been told uh, for sure, you can count on, is definitely uh, Ben Affleck's film Argo, and definitely uh, um, Hard Park on Hudson. uh, In in part, I'm not saying entirely, I'm not saying largely, but in part because Laura Linney lives there, and I guess I guess it would be politically difficult. (laughs) I don't know why, but it must it must be a decent film, and uh, they don't. uh, So let's let's just presume it's a pretty good film, you know.
3: But that's what I heard.
0: I really so. hope it's a lineup worth the money because it is a pretty penny mm-hmm. to go there, and I hope that um, yeah. that I don't feel disappointed when they announce, and that it's like all the movies we saw in Cannes already, you know, yeah. uh, like more and mm-hmm. all of the the Hunt. You know, I, I hope that those aren't the big important gets there, and that there is something that because you guys are both going to Toronto, I'm not going to Toronto.
1: Yeah, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to try. I never go to Telluride basically for that reason. I can't. I can't justified my boss we're gonna pay like you know thousands of dollars and not know you know what we're co- in advance what we're gonna cover so i yeah. uh, can you know they've, they've had some good movies there i mean up in the air premiere there and so did uh didn't black swan premiere there too remember uh, the right? descendants but uh the oh the sentence Descendant. yeah yeah telleride yeah those, they didn't tend to have uh, yeah i probably would look at like movies with distribution tends to be a telleride more than ones without. Is that true? Yeah,
0: for sure. And, you know, I'm frustrated with myself because I could have gone to Toronto this year because my daughter's schedule has switched around now, and I can go to Toronto. I just didn't want to do both, Toronto or Telluride, and I ended up choosing Telluride, but now I'm sort of regretting it. I hope that um, one day, you know, now I'm sort of wishing that I was going instead to to I've
2: got a place you know Sasha if, if for future reference it's uh, only cost me 70 a night it's a nice a little place uh, with a nice just not a kitchen but like a bedroom and t- Wi-Fi and everything so.
0: great that's great yeah next year I'm gonna probably do Toronto mm-hmm. um, but you know it's it's the thing about this year is that a lot of the big Oscar movies aren't even playing any of those festivals they're all going to be released later
1: oh that's true yeah
0: you know like well, Lincoln and the, so you're not even going to see that stuff.
1: Oh, that's true, yeah. I mean, I think – I mean, the, the the New York Film Festival – I mean, going, going ahead a little bit of Telluride in Toronto, the New York Film Festival is kind of interesting because they got – they have, you know, um, Life of Pi opening it and they have mm-hmm. um, Fly, well, Flight – I'm not so sure. Maybe Flights is an Oscar movie. We're not thinking about it. But I, it's very interesting because New York Film Festival doesn't usually have – I mean, very rarely do they have, like, big studio movies opening and closing the festival. Right. And these are both these are both big, like – they're not like Fox like They're not like Sony Classics. They're not like – you know they're 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 real real studio movies and it's you know it's really interesting that they they got those movies over anyone else yeah
0: uh do you happen to know when the centerpiece plays um vis-a-vis the opening night like how many days after that does the?
1: yeah i don't i don't unfortunately i know i know what happens that like the opening night like as far as press screenings you're asking
0: yeah like like if i if i went out there which is doubtful that i will but if i went out there um for the opening to see Life of Pi. And then I wanted to also stay for the centerpiece.
2: Oh, you're smart. The smart move is to show up for the press screening.
1: Well, no, no, actually the smart move is to show up kind of closer to closer to the opening night because they will be like, what they do is they don't screen the opening night film until closer to opening night. So, but by then you might actually get the centerpiece. Like there, there might be a Like we won't know until they announce the schedule, the press screening schedule, but like there's a good chance that by, by the time they, the opening night happens, there will still be screenings, like, in the, like a couple days before and a couple days afterwards. There's still press screenings. So you might be able to catch the, the closing night press screening around the same time as the opening night premiere. Yeah, I'll check sense.
0: it out. And if I can swing it for four days, I'll do it. It is expensive, though, Jeff. God, the hotels.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, New York. Okay.
0: But, um, but I want to check also with the L.A. publicists to see if they're lining up some L.A. screenings as they sometimes do just to appease people, you know. There's
2: definitely a, going to be a flight screening here not too long after New York Film Festival. I was told that in so many words.
0: Flight, <laughs> and, and flight's late because it closes the festival. But, like, right. what about the earlier ones? Are they going to screen out here? Like, is Life <clears throat> of Pi going to screen out here? I bet it will. They might do, uh, like, they might, yeah,
1: they might do like they do with, like, a can because a can they've been, they've been doing, like, New York and L.A. screenings at the same time as a yeah. can premiere. So maybe they'll do a Life of Pi screening, you know, that, that same day, the day after the New York yeah,
2: premiere. Yeah, that's why
0: I have to write the and ask them and find out if that's going to yeah.
1: happen. Yeah,
2: so. they'll tell you. So way, forth, a guy named, uh, let me just briefly, uh, before we go back to tell you Toronto, a guy did see uh, Flight, according to, um, he, he wrote in a couple of days ago, or yesterday. Saw Flight at a test screening a few months ago. It's the real deal. Still probably my favorite film of the year. Yes, it gets a little conventional towards the end. I didn't love the ending, but 90% of it is top-notch. Definite best-pick contender. Denzel is amazing in it. His performance is definitely up there with his best work. The film is a lot darker than the trailer implies. Denzel is in leaving Las Vegas territory. Wow. And you know what that means. And I really hope they don't change the first scene I'll definitely never be able to watch a My Name is Earl repeat the same way ever again. I have no idea what that means. Who is uh, this
0: person? Do you know him?
2: I can tell you the email address after we're off. No, so.
0: I, I'm just oh, wondering yeah, if it's a, a, a legit that. person or if it's a shill. Sounds like yeah. a shill.
1: I know, but the thing is, you know, i got to say, like, Robert Zemeckis, remember, he did he did Forrest Gump. You know, maybe that's this is his return to Forrest Gump territory, and he's got a great performance out of it. I mean, I, I haven't even <laughs> seen the trailer. I haven't even <laughs> seen the trailer, to be honest, so I don't know, but, like,
0: but shows always use the word amazing. <laughs> oh, Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but it could not be a show. Maybe it's a real yeah. person. Who's but,
1: York, York, but the New York Film Festival is legit, and they, I don't think they would allow a studio movie to play there. No, if they didn't either. think it was. I don't either. in the, in in the talk in talks or in consideration. Yeah. So it's got
0: to be good, and it's a good placement, and it's probably I've, mm. the publicist has told me, of course, that it's it's hardcore Oscar bait. But mm. you know, that's just what. They hope. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, considering who's back, who's behind it, and uh, who's involved in it, yeah, this is this is a horse that can ride for sure. Yeah. Because you know, it, so much of the Oscar race depends on the studio pushing the movie because they work wonders behind the scenes, and and so you can you can invest, you know, I think future promise on certain publicists and certain studios if, yeah. if it's their baby, you know. Because they're going to do... This one in particular is going to really pull out the stops.
1: Yeah. But going back to Telluride, I mean, what, what other... I mean, but yeah, besides those big studio movies, like we don't think that it'll be like... We don't think any of the big uh, Venice premieres might show up there, do we? I mean, like, what, are, what are some of the Venice premieres
2: well, that the might show up? Well, the only
0: good one up? in Venice is is uh, Matt, The Master. Yeah, and that's the, not going right.
2: to be there, apparently. There's I've, I've been told that so many times that it's just not going to be there. Despite right. my having been told that there, they are that there might be a preparation underway for 70 millimeter i, I get uh, i've been told left and right it won't be there so who knows
0: yeah but venice is basically a wash in every other way pretty much oscar wise yeah. but mm. uh so Interesting, yeah. and i hate to I mean, say it's, that it's yeah. awful but
1: I mean, there's some good things in toronto which no one's seen yet that i know of uh like like darren c and france is the place beyond the pines that's right? mm-hmm. you no know, you mean blue Valentine got. You know, Mr. Michelle Williams, uh, an Oscar nomination. And mm-hmm. it was very, it was that, that movie, The Blue Valentine, was well loved at at uh, Sundance and Cannes mm-hmm. and Toronto. And now this is the they're premiering. I have a
2: feeling, I just have a feeling. You just, as soon as you said that, uh, Derek C. in France, smallish guy, I, I I just have a feeling that might be a Telluride film. I
1: just got a, a
2: win, Oh, that's uh, good. Thought, oh, that's uh, interesting.
0: Uh, uh, probably. That, and what else is playing in, in Toronto that's not playing? Silver
1: anything? Linings Playbook. So, yeah, okay, that's yeah. what I was going to say, too. Yeah, David Russell's Silver Linings Playbook. And that's Weinstein Company. So they... I don't, I don't know what's... I mean, the thing is, you, you've gone to t- Telluride more than anyone else, Jeff. So, I mean, do, are there any studios in particular you find? Like, I know Sony Classics always bring stuff there. Always. always yeah. You know so they have Weinstein, the Weinstein Co. Company.
0: too. Yeah, they brought the artists there last time. Um, mm-hmm. they'd, okay. It had an outside screening. I, You know, something from them is going to show there. Yeah. It's the master, or uh, if I were
2: them, I would show uh, Noah Baumbach's film, whatever that's about. It's called Francis Ha. I I have a feeling they just like uh, small, um, small smallish, intense, passionate auteur types. I just have a feeling that they're going to go with something like that. It's just such Uh, a
0: great little town. I mean, that experience in Telluride is, is so. You know, enriching just to be there it really is because it's not crowded out there aren't a lot of people that go because it costs so much money and you mm. could walk around there aren't a lot of cars there's no pollution it's clean it's beautiful you're surrounded by mountains right. and it's just it's 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 exceptional i think
2: um i'll tell you since since being in Lauterbrunnen and being in the uh shadow of the bernese mountains tight right isn't as nice as that <laughs>
0: I'm sure. Okay. <Well>, <laughs> I'm sure, but it's pretty nice. It's, it's pretty, pretty damn nice. nice. And, nice. Nice. and I, if nice. I had damn a place wonderful. I could yeah. go, settle down, and retire, that's where I would go. I'd totally mm-hmm. buy a house there and live there. It just seems like such a friendly town. Yeah,
2: yep. yep. You it's know, a lovely, pl- it's a lovely place. It really is nice vibes. You know, wouldn't uh, wouldn't it make sense for poor Terrence Malick's film to the Wonder, which uh, allegedly has gotten zero? distributor interest and they're like throwing up their hands like what are we going to do with this thing and it's supposed to be even more uh, uh it's kind of elliptical and catches catch can grab baggy as a tree of life if not more so mm-hmm. uh uh wouldn't it make sense for something like that to go to tell right for people to get a get a peek at that early what
1: well, is the, the, well, well, there's the ben affleck tie so if he, ben affleck is going to go there for Argo, there is. i yeah. mean maybe i mean like I don't. The thing is, like, Terrence Malick's not going to go. He doesn't want to no, be around. You, that kind gonna, of, yeah, he's not going to be there. Yeah, it. yeah. But I mean, maybe Ben Affleck can convince him to, you know, convince them to let them let him bring in. Maybe they'll do, you know, something because he's mm. there for Argo already. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It seems like the, the To the Wonder is going to be more of a market movie at, at Toronto, and and maybe if it's you know so difficult, maybe they're not going to want to yeah. get negative word. going get negative word out before the buyers get to see it. So. Right um but interesting. toronto i'm a little worried about toronto to be honest because there's so many big movies there Mm -hmm. that i'm worried that it's gonna be impossible to get into press screenings it's gonna be like such a madhouse you know i mean hopefully there'll be like like movies like cloud atlas and uh the master will be in like the biggest theaters possible but i'm worried that it's going to be one of those situations where there's too many people to go who want to see these movies who haven't had an opportunity beforehand so it'll be like you know, hard to get in, you have to get there an hour in advance, long lines, yeah. which I, I guess you don't deal with in Telluride at all, but in Toronto it, it's a problem.
0: You've got to be, be there, there a
2: little before and definitely get in line, that's for
0: sure. Well, um, wasn't that the, the, the festival, or was it Sundance where Ebert had a fit? I think it was uh, where he couldn't get into a screening because it was too crowded. Was it Toronto? A long time ago? I don't remember. But anyway. It happens
1: at Sundance. and it happens at, I mean, South by Southwest, you don't even get like a press screening. It's like you just have to get there and Hope the up. best. Yeah. Call
0: it's like Comic Con. So does uh, oh, uh, does <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't mind me. I'm, I'm, I'm have flashbacks. Okay. <laughs> I know.
0: right? Is Cloud Atlas um only going to Toronto?
1: Right now, it seems to be again. It might be a last minute Telluride, but right now it's only yeah. It's only Toronto. I don't think it's doing Venice. It's definitely not doing New York Film Festival.
0: It seems um, too big for Toronto or for Telluride. Maybe yeah. I mean, I I have a
1: feeling Cloud Atlas. Well, you haven't been to Toronto, but they have like different levels of, you know, by the theater. Like Roy Thompson Hall is where they do the biggest premieres, and it holds like twenty five hundred people. And I'm I'm sure Cloud Atlas would be one of the, you know, evening Roy Thompson Hall screenings because if they have Tom Hanks and. But it sounds
2: doesn't doesn't again uh, Cloud Atlas sound? It it really is. You have to think of it as a kind of a uh, European indie film. It's um, it's German money. Uh, warner Brothers just has a distribution deal with them it 's not really their film i would wouldn't be surprised at all if that showed up in telluride you know because it's a yeah. it's a movie that kind of strives for a lot of different unusual things It does multiple characters and multiple time uh, time periods and you know it's 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 a ethereal spiritual film
1: film so. mm-hmm. earlier yeah really, uh, what what how many warner like how often does Warner Brothers bring stuff to telluride really? I mean did they bring like Michael Clayton Do they bring yeah I'm curious about their, their – there, because I feel like I feel like there's a history, like, like the studios particularly have histories with different festivals. Right, you kind right. of can, you kind of can sometimes piece together. I mean, actually, New York Film Festival clearly threw that off this year because, I mean, they've never done, they they, I mean, they've done Paramount Vantage, but they've never done a big Paramount movie or and Fox and well, They never. did,
0: uh, they did Hugo though.
1: Uh, did they do Hugo? No, Hugo was that, mm. was that was that was like the it wasn't part of the festival. That was like a, that was like mm. a last minute like. Work, uh, work in progress. It wasn't actually the official. part But of I it, think that because itself.
0: Hugo ended up doing so well, I think that's oh. what sort of um, promoted, you know, you know, gave the festival more prominence in terms of Oscar positioning. You know, I, oh yeah,
1: that's true. Okay,
0: that's good my point. thinking on it. Um,
1: that's a good point, actually. Yeah.
0: All right, guys. Well, we've gone on for 122. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, we should we should we should curtail it. Yeah, I, I've got a, a guy coming here uh, who's going to be staying here with the cats, and I got to no. say hello to him.
0: When are you, and, uh, you mean for when you leave for Telluride?
2: Telluride and Toronto, the uh, one streak. And I found a place, thank God, finally in New York that is not horrible. Uh, the place to go is, is it's called something B&B. It's, I've given up on Craigslist, but there's a new right. place that we can find places that you can sublet. And, and you know, Chris Tapley told me to go to Pod 39, which is a hotel on 39th Street, and there's also on the Upper East Side. And he said it's, a, it's, it's lean because the rooms are not that big. Almost, you know, $460 for two nights. That's not my idea. Oh, but, wow.
1: you know. that's, that's Yeah, that's still so, for, for like probably what sounds like it's going to be like a pod, like literally a pod. I don't know. But. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's yeah, what you think. that.
0: No yeah. way. But, okay, I mean, well, we we'll think we well.
2: That would be really cool to have a, a room that's like really tiny and, and a little bathroom that's like an uh, airplane bathroom, <laughs> you know?
0: It would be cool, <laughs> but not at that price. I mean, <laughs> give me 75 bucks a night, I'll take it. But.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Well, you, you might be sharing a bathroom. You might be sharing. It might actually be one bathroom <laughs> per 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 floor. I've been to those kind of places too. Yeah, well, in Europe they're all
0: over the place. Europe is great about that. You can really find cheapy little great little places that, you know, um, yeah. but but America, we haven't we haven't really mastered that part of the hostile situation. We haven't got that down.
2: Well, I've got a a, a share and a large loft on lofty street sounds great and it's not that much money so i'm happy now so.
0: oh good and that's just to stay for two days and you're not doing the new york film festival or you are
2: i have yet to decide i've get, cert- certainly got myself the press pass and i certainly could extend it without too much difficulty but it's so fucking expensive to stay there i'm just so angry at that everybody charges me and maybe you know it's, it's conceivable
1: yeah the nice, nice thing about toronto is you can go for four days and we really see, I mean, if you, we went to Toronto for 40, like the, like the first Friday to the Monday, you can see five movies a day and we really get your money's worth. Jesus Christ. Like, like, I don't think, I don't think you do that in New York Film Festival because it's only, they only press screen two movies I a day usually. I could do two
0: movies yeah. max. If I really am forced, oh, yeah. I could do but, three, but I could never do five. Oh, I'd kill myself.
1: Well, that's how, that's how you get the your money's worth <laughs> by seeing, you know, you won't have a chance to write about the five
0: movies, but at least you can, you know. Right, you can see them. Get them them under your belt. Right. Um, You can't really get retroactive um, press credentials for Toronto, though, right? It's just they're really.
1: really, They're they're one of the toughest. Maybe can, other than can, they're the toughest one to get anything. Yeah, you have to
0: be there to meet the deadlines and all that. You can't just do a last minute thing. Teleride, you can.
1: right because you pay 700 yeah because you buy the so. pass
0: they're like sure. actually
2: uh my my friends uh, david and svetlana they decided to go just recently and they were told online that there ain't no more 780 dollar passes to be had
0: wow and
2: uh so i called or rather wrote on their behalf and asked if there's any way they could uh, stretch the uh the the eligibility so they could and and they wrote back and they said okay we'll, we'll cut them a break and uh But otherwise, uh, they do set a limit on those $780 passes. Part of the appeal of that festival is it's never overrun. You can always get Mm. anything. But it it sounds like it's getting there there now, though. If it it
0: did, that would be it. It would be a drag to go. But the fact that it's not crowded is what makes it so lovely.
2: One final shot before we end. Uh, I want to take a polite exception to what Sasha said uh, on the column earlier today. Um, uh, we, she, we were talking about ums versus uh and ahs. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and Sasha wrote, I quote, uh, perhaps, Jeff, in your day, Jeff, there was <laughs> things." And I said, <laughs> my day? What does oh, that mean?
0: Oh, no. I mean, when you were, because you were saying it's young, a, dumb girls.
2: A, you know, back in my day. Back in the old days. <laughs> I am, yeah. I am yeah. here.
0: I love Not... it. I'm happy to hear that. I think that's beautiful. I was just saying because you were saying that young people tend to say it more. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily. You know, I think with with yeah. us when we were young,
2: it's, when you listen to younger people particularly younger women they go um a lot when they're talking about their thoughts i mean they but so just do and... older
0: people so do men so do you know a lot of people say it like you just said it and I, I said, said
2: it for this podcast i have nothing yeah. no leg to stand on i mean you know i, I blurted it out yeah. so you know, it's, you know,
1: it's, it's, it's yeah you know what it is it's kind of, it's kind of a, it is a place filler it's kind of like especially when you're talking to people on the phone or something it's like it's a place filler because if you don't say um they'll, they'll just cut in and you won't be able to finish your thoughts so it's yeah. like sometimes it's just a yeah. Kind of way to way to say, okay, I still have more to say, but yeah,
0: yeah, so, and and it, it does make a difference in in what accent you say it in too. Like if you're if you're talking like this, And it's like um, I don't know, I don't know if I want to get down there. Um, it's kind of uh, you know, then it sounds worse than if you sound intelligent and you say um in the middle of a sentence. You know, <laughs> it makes a difference. It's insult to injury if it's like you're saying like this every other word. <laughs> 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 Right, guys well i've got a whole day of cooking ahead of me for a party tonight so i better get rolling very good have
1: okay. fun thanks for having me on guys oh it was nice talking so, so, so with we you. Need to talk about toronto
0: you know we might call upon you again ed oh, yeah. because we need a box office phil if phil can't make it which um
1: well the thing is, well, the thing is you lucked out because i literally had just finished writing the box office which is my main sunday duty mm-hmm. so i just i just finished writing the box office when you said do this if i was if i hadn't done it yet i wouldn't be able to do this i'd have to finish well, that first but, but see it's great because this fresh
0: yeah, we don't want to re- we don't want to replace Phil, but but there are a lot of Sundays where he just can't do it and if we want to do it on a Sunday. All
1: right. Okay. If you're up for it. All right, well guys, thanks a lot guys.
0: All right, thanks, nice guys. talking to you Appreciate guys. It. Have a nice Sunday. Bye. Right, soon. Soon. Okay. Bye. Sure, thanks. Bye bye. You've been listening to episode 89 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from hollywoodelsewhere.com, Sasha Stone from awardsdaily.com and Ed Douglas, the special guest from ComingSoon.net. The bumper music today was Things by Paul Westerberg and lately by The Helio Sequence. You can follow us on Twitter at OscarVodcast, and we will be back next week. Thanks for listening.